thousands of government workers in British Columbia have been fired by the province for not taking the COVID vaccine or not revealing their status. And the province continues to fire people to this day now in April 2022. Why is this still going on? I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. So over the weekend, it was revealed that thousands of public healthcare workers in British Columbia had been laid off after previously been putting on being put on unpaid leave for not following the VAX mandate rules being enforced by the province. Well, last Friday, a group of fired employees tried to issue an emergency injunction in order to keep their job, but a judge threw their case away. And so more, more people are continuing to be fired over these really mundane uh punitive vaccine policies in British Columbia. It seems like they're lagging behind the rest of the province, the rest of the country in eliminating these kinds of restrictions. And joining me today to talk about this is True North reporter and editor Harley Sims. Harley is based out of British Columbia. He's a senior editor, investigative reporter with True North. He holds a PhD in English from the University of Toronto. He currently lives in the Fraser Canyon of British Columbia, and he's been doing lots and lots of reporting, exclusive reporting for us on at True North. Harley, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, Candace. So, so 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 the news that I got out of BC was that you guys are finally getting rid of your vaccine passport, your vaccine card will no longer be in use, which is sort of some good news. We could definitely talk a little bit about that, but I want to talk about this this court case and this injunction that was thrown away by a judge. So can you walk us through what exactly happened? So towards the end of the summer, the beginning of the fall, BC Public Service had signaled that it was going to be requiring um, 30,000 employees to be vaccinated in order to keep their jobs. Now, this was just kind of, uh, I was mentioned, it was said, this is coming. And uh, Bonnie Henry has put out, I believe, 14 different health orders um, that have been affecting um, different uh, sectors, um, uh, uh, contractors, healthcare workers, public servants. But in this case, uh, the policy was, was announced and it was not actually um, defined until a month later. Policy 25, it was called. Uh, public servants were expected to get two vaccinate, two shots um, before November 22nd. Uh, but what is interesting is on November 19th, which was a Friday, um, the Horgan government passed an order in council that made that law that if uh, public servants did not get those vaccinations, they could be fired with cause. And fired with cause is the worst way you can be fired. Um, assaults, thefts, um, you are denied benefits, you are denied EI, you're just thrown out the window type thing. Um, and so, uh, you know, anybody that's worked in politics knows that when you pass legislation on a Friday, it's called taking out the trash. You do it because the media is asleep, no one's paying attention. That's what they did. Uh, so the following Monday, um, non-compliant public servants, we were put on unpaid leave, forced onto unpaid leave. Uh, there, is, there are several organizations, but one, the BCPS uh, Employees for Freedom, represent 500 um, civil servants, both um, unionized and non-unionized, vaccinated and non-vaccinated. Uh, but uh, they were involved in this uh, constitutional challenge the vaccine mandate is supposed to be coming in May. Now, in the meantime, uh, four of the petitioners, I think there are nine now, but there were four original petitioners, 
um, had uh, filed for an injunction to keep from being fired before that hearing. Um, now they're already on unpaid leave. Um, they're, not, they're not getting paid. Um, so the, the question was, well, why not just drag it out a little longer? Um, but the, uh, after deferring the decision for a week, uh, Justice Ross at the BC Supreme Court in Victoria decided on Friday that no, an injunction would not be issued, um, that these uh, employees will continue to be terminated. Um, and these are all precedent setting cases, basically. Um, every other, um, every other uh, lawsuit are, is looking at them and saying, okay, well, how does the decision bear on ours? Um, and so the decision at this point is no, um, the courts will not stop anybody from being fired in British Columbia over these vaccine mandates. So going ahead, anybody that's been um, put on unpaid leave um, can be fired. And uh, it's just a question of seeing where the constitutional challenge goes in May. It's, it's interesting. I know we have a little bit of an internal debate at True North, jokingly, about which province has the most severe, strictest COVID restrictions. And you, you tend to think it's British Columbia. So f first of all, why, why do you think BC is worse than other provinces? And uh, what is it about the culture and the government in BC uh, that makes them so ardent in, in issuing these kind of heavy handed edicts? Well, that's a good question um, because uh, growing up in the north of BC, we kind of had our own world and I, I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of the reputation of BC as, as wacky. Um, I think BC has a reputation as being wacky politically across the country. And so um, it wasn't until we moved down south that you started to see, you know, um, why it is different scandals that that happened. Uh, but in the case of COVID, actually, it was the other way around. I mean, I was speaking uh, with, a, with a lawyer about this this week. Um, I think a lot of the country was um, a little bit envious that we had Bonnie Henry in the beginning because she seemed pretty laid back. Uh, she, uh, she didn't lock down British Columbia. She lifted the mask mandates at one point. Um, and she, and uh, she seemed pretty level-headed. Uh, but as time progressed, um, BC came to adopt the same kind of strict measures that the rest of the country did, but also just different language that was used. Um, I think it was around winter, like during the winter COVID lockdowns for Omicron, um, that all of these really draconian measures started coming out. And they were more precautionary. Um, keep in mind, this was this, we see this coming, let's, let's, let's lock down just in case. And one of the things that Bonnie Henry um, said was that non-vaccinated people cannot gather. They cannot go to the homes of vaccinated people. They cannot go out. And keep in mind, they were already denied entry into theaters, restaurants, um, gyms, anything like that. Um, aside from that, the mandates continue in British Columbia, even as the other provinces are rolling them back. And not just, you know, the prairie provinces, you know, like Saskatchewan and, uh, and Alberta, but uh, Ontario, Quebec, uh, even Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, which a lot of people may not be paying much attention to, they were pretty, pretty strict too. They're pretty draconian. Remember New Brunswick had uh, denied, uh, given grocery stores the ability to deny people entry based on their VAC status and then rolled that back. Uh, but you know, New, uh, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick even um, were removing their VAX mandates. Even then, British Columbia was still moving ahead with a uh, mandate for private sector um, healthcare professionals, uh, dentists, chiropractors, uh, therapists, uh, acupuncturists. Um, there's, a, there's a ton of them. I wrote a story on it and there's, I think there's 19 different regulatory colleges. Um, but she was still moving ahead with that, requiring them to be vaccinated 
or not be able to practice. And so this idea that the BC has become an outlier, it's, it's out, of, out of step with the rest of the province or the rest of the country now, even still with public servants being fired, healthcare workers not being able to get their jobs back, Alberta is inviting them back. I spoke with a paramedic from Alberta a couple of weeks ago who's going back. Public servants are going back to work in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And across the country, we're turning around. Um, BC is, is, is sticking to this hard line. And uh, I don't know why it is. Um, I'm not a legal professional, but judges do have to be aware of the precedence their decisions set. And so I can't help but suspect this has gotten so big to pull that brick out that causes the whole thing to fall down. Well, it's so interesting, Harley, because I, I would say since the Omicron wave last December, last November, is when we really started to realize, I, I mean, there were a lot of sort of people in, in scientific communities whistleblowing saying that this vaccine isn't as effective as it's being sold as. And I think that, that, that the world sort of acted that out and we lived that over Christmas time when we realized that, hey, uh, being vaccinated doesn't actually stop you from getting Omicron. People people who are double, triple vaxxed, including our own prime minister, are still getting this, this virus. And so, you know, not only is the COVID vaccine not effective at stopping COVID, as we were told, but also, uh, you know, this idea that we're going to demonize and disenfranchise and and bully and exclude people who have made a medical choice that we don't agree with that, that's not a very good way to run a society and and, and i think that there has been a lot of uh, retrospective thinking and soul searching and i i, I uh, here on the Candace malcolm show i've interviewed so many people who who sort of pick up on this and discuss this issue that 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 demonizing the unvaccinated was a huge mistake and and the division that it caused uh, is something that we need to work on mending and yet, you know, the story that you just told in British Columbia, it's like they haven't gotten that, they haven't reached that point. They haven't gotten that message. They don't, they don't look at the data or they haven't seen the sort of broader picture of the sort of second and third uh, effect causes of COVID. Things like, you know, more, more Americans under the age of, of 65 died of alcohol than died of COVID. Um, in, in, in Canada, it's very, very similar. The diseases of despair, suicide, depression, drug overdoses, they're, 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 you know, pe younger younger people, people under 60, 65, they die much more from these things than they do from COVID. I, I just, I, I can't, can't really wrap my head around why British Columbia is so out of step and why, why, they ha why these discussions aren't being had. Do you hear people having these discussions publicly, people in media, um, you know, academia, public intellectuals, politicians? Is, 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 is this message out there in British Columbia or do, do people just li listen to a, a different set of, of, of stories and, and they're kind of burying their head in the sand when it comes to the changes that we've seen in, in our knowledge and in our approach to COVID? Uh, I, I guess I could say there's a lot of confusion, but there's a lot of anger at this point. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand why the province is moving ahead with this. I'm sticking to it when the data is becoming clear. You could argue it was clear a long time ago. Um, I mean, uh, my children are in school. Um, I just got a form the other day that has like a, a it's a, a liability release in case of COVID. It's like, okay, well, why couldn't we have had that before? You know, you just, you know, if the kid gets COVID, you know, you don't sue the school type thing. Uh, but I wrote a story about a dentist um, about a month ago um, who was subject to the private sector vaccine mandate. And uh, it's worth watching because he just lays it out. He's furious. Uh, I think he, he says, you know, 
Bonnie Henry should, uh, his regulatory college should tell Bonnie Henry to crawl back into the hole she came out of um, because it doesn't make sense anymore. And he says at this point, um, ignorance and malice are indistinguishable because the data is so clear. Why is she sticking with it? It can't be, it doesn't matter if it's ignorance or malice. It's just, it's effectively the same thing. Uh, but as far as talking to other people, I've spoken to a lot of people. I've talked to lawyers, uh, union officials, um, uh, academics, a lot of people who are affected by this mandate and on the wrong side of the mandate, um, they don't want to speak publicly about it. Um, and it's because exactly because of the stigma you mentioned. Um, there's still a huge amount of stigma um, about coming out and, and saying, not only are you um, unvaccinated, but you're against the vaccine mandates. Um, going back to work, what's that going to be like? Um, speaking to the uh, Alberta paramedic, Kate King, a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, she said, for healthcare workers who are unvaccinated who've gone back, it's like no one wants to talk about it. She de she described it like being like an abusive relationship, um, walking on eggshells. Whereas before, there was an eruption of, of of abuse and hatred and condemnation of people that didn't want to disclose or take these vaccines. Now everyone's just kind of looking the other way, and, and there's no healing. Um, so I think this again goes along with what we've been talking about all along: is um, these policies have created huge um, sociological problems. Now, um, you can't bring in something like this, just call them orders and not expect them to create huge chasms in society between people, um, demonizing people. Um, I, uh, talk, we talk a lot about the charter of rights, um, the constitution provinces have their own human rights codes. And I, I know when it came to the freedom convoy, a lot of people couldn't understand why the constitution didn't kind of take shape, come down and protect them from this. What's going on here? Um, and I know that um, a lot of uh, lawyers signed of the Free North Declaration. Uh, Bruce Parties talked about it. G. Jared Brown talked about it with Andrew Lawton. The, law, the legal system is made up of people. It's made up of lawyers and judges, and they're, they're all people. And if they are not willing to um, uh, rule a certain way or stand up for certain things or kind of lean certain ways, then none of these documents mean anything. And so I think that was why it was important with Charlene LeBeau from the Justice Center I spoke with on Monday. Uh, she said, we just need one good decision. We just need one judge to look at our evidence that are very compelling evidence and say, no, this is done. This is over. We have to stop doing this. And she just said it would be a domino. It would start, um, other judges would, would um, start agreeing the precedent would be set and they would start falling. Uh, right now, we've only ever seen jurisdictions um, removing vaccine mandates voluntarily. Uh, the city of Victoria did it, which is funny because that's where the BC Supreme Court decision was. They removed their principal vaccine mandate. Richmond has removed its vaccine mandate and brought back uh, workers, given them back pay. Why are some of these things happening and not others? It's just, it's day to day at this point, And it's, it's really frustrating, I think, for observers who want to make sense of it. Well, it, it teaches us a lesson, Harley, that our democracy and our and our institutions are not as robust as we would have expected. Like you, you think, okay, the government is is blatantly abusing our charter rights. That's why we have a charter. So let's uphold it and and let's stop these abuses. And and yet, you're right. We haven't we haven't seen that through the courts. We haven't seen that. Uh, be in, through challenges and, and the example that we're talking about on the show today is is for example of that why we need to create more robust institutions and we need to have more advocacy when it comes to the legal profession as well. So 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 let's talk about the decision or the announcement that British Columbia had that they're finally getting rid of their vaccine 
mandate uh, vaccine passport uh, system. Uh, it, it, do you think that this is sort of a, a good sign that the government is ready to, to move on from all of this? And, and what, what does it mean sort of in the day-to-day lives of, of British Columbians who are not vaccinated? Like, will they be able to have full access to society or are there still some things that are being held on to? Well, uh, I think careful with our language because the vaccine passport isn't being scrapped here. Um, it's being lifted. And I think uh, Bonnie Henry has been very clear that the government will support places that want to keep using it. And that has encouraged individual businesses to use it. Uh, Restaurants all had to use it. Theaters all had to use it. Gyms all had to use it. Um, But just because the government is stepping away and saying, okay, we're not going to um, enforce this anymore, doesn't mean they're not going to encourage um, the continuation of these policies. And uh, like everywhere else, um, mask mandate was dropped um, a couple of weeks ago, um, March 11th, I believe. And uh, again, people screaming, How can you abandon us like this, Bonnie Henry? You know, like what? Well, you're, you're going to create another wave and all this. And it's like, there's nothing preventing people from continuing to wear them if they don't want to, or sorry, if they wanted to. Um, so I think that places like um, uh, government buildings, like for example, pools, skating rinks, things like that, um, they will drop them as necessary. Um, universities, um, again, like other provinces, like our U of T just dropped a mandate after it was challenged. Um, it'll be um, bit by bit, you'll see it crumble. Um, but I don't know if people are as, as relieved at this point. Um, we've seen this before. We've seen the, 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 the restrictions drop. Uh, we've seen masks drop. We've seen um, uh, capacity um, limits drop. Um, What's happening now, though, is the dropping of something that came in at the end, which was the vaccine passport. I think the only reassurances we have at this point is it'll be very difficult to bring the vaccine passport back in once it's been dropped, especially with the waning efficacy of these vaccines. Um, you're not going to be able to bring it back in unless you're going to be able to, you know, force people to get third and fourth shots, which, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. Um, but uh, it's at, at the moment, uh, the holdout province is kind of on the same page as everybody else right now. And uh, we're keeping an eye on them, though. Nobody's nobody's uh, breathing easily at this point. Uh, well, one of the things that I, I find sort of shocking, because you know, we had the terror convoy, we carried, we covered it very, very closely at True North, and you, you yourself were you know, one of the top reporters covering it. And uh, from my perspective, I think so many others, we saw it as a huge victory in terms of changing the public conversation, raising issues around you know, people wanting to get their life back, sort of a silent uh, majority of people com- coming out and saying, you know, we don't like all of these restrictions. We don't like this division in our society. And we started to see a whole bunch of the restrictions get dropped. One of the things that still I- is there. Uh, is the original uh, mandate that that they were protesting against, which is a requirement that truckers continue to have to show a vaccine mandate or passport in order to do cross-border uh, trips. And and again, the, the whole issue was that, you know, we, we'd had this huge wave of Omicron that was indistinguishable whether you were vaccinated or unvaccinated. We learned that the vaccine mandate system doesn't work. The vaccine doesn't protect you and doesn't stop you from getting COVID. It uh, doesn't stop the spread of COVID, which was why we were told we needed them. Uh, and, and, and yet in January, so after the big wave, after things were starting to settle down again and we saw an end in sight to COVID, Trudeau imposes this restrictive, punitive, uh, mean-spirited rule. 
and and yet it's it's still in place you know i think that we kind of forget that 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 you know the truckers have been stomped down by trudeau he used excessive force for the emergencies act and he's still maintaining this this policy i'm I'm wondering if you've heard from you know many of your contacts and people in the trucking world about this how how is it impacting the sort of day-to-day life of of truckers and and the ability of trucking transportation companies to get their product to market. I know that that we're now talking about, I mean, it's incredible how the economy is starting to crumble in terms of massive inflation, um, you know, the cost of living just going up, the gas prices going up. Um, but, but then also, you know, we hear talk of food shortages in certain parts of North America. It's wild to hear, hear about that, uh, while at the same time we're stopping truckers from being able to do their job. Uh, so I'm just wondering if you have any update for us or anything you've heard on, on this topic lately. Uh, we, we just wrote a story uh, earlier this week saying that um, uh, livestock feed is going to be um, um, affected by this in, in a terrible way. Um, uh, that um, trucking companies were, um, uh, and trucking companies have always had a hard time finding um, drivers. I mean, let's, let's be clear with that, but it's making it worse. It's, it's like the same thing with vaccine management for healthcare. You've got a, a, a crippled industry that you are now. Um, Moving the ability of it to walk ever. Um, th- this is a problem. Uh, as far as vaccine mandates go, I mean, since, since the convoy was dispersed, um, you do see smaller efforts here and there. Um, uh, there, I know there was supposed to be a big convoy in Victoria a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the, the city was preparing for. They're even looking into ways of getting them, keeping them off the ferries from getting there. Um, but uh, th- the thing is, number one, it's a federal mandate. Um, and so a, a lot of a lot of the guys who are, who are protesting, um, again, they're not they're not really political. Um, so they may not necessarily know where this is coming from. They may not understand how one va- mandate can be provincial and another federal and even some can be municipal, depending. Um, so this remains a federal vaccine mandate that hasn't been lifted. Um, and that's why, you know, the convoy was in Ottawa as opposed to a, a legislature. Um, but a, a Trudeau's getting away with this. Um, he has not lifted anything. Um, it is, you're right, it is spiteful, uh, it's hateful, it's malicious. Um, you can just look at the, uh, the curl of his lip when he talks about these individuals and, uh, and their positions towards uh, his, his mandates and his rules. But I also know of many people who were forced out of work because of vaccine mandates, um, tried to ride it out, but let's face it, this is, this is British Columbia. Um, it's extremely expensive to live here. They couldn't last forever. They did go back and get the shots. Uh, they were coerced into doing it. Uh, it's terrible. Um, they're broken people in some ways. And I really hope um, there is comeuppance for what's been done to them. Um, but uh, this is exactly what was intended in forcing people um, out of work and crippling them financially, was to force them to get them. Um, and so that, that's what I know, um, that, that, that uh, most people who initially tried to oppose this ended up getting the shots because you can't last forever without without pay well I'm, I'm i'm sorry to hear that and you know it's like to what end right it's like okay you you're spiteful you hate these people you force them to get a vaccine that they don't want to get to, to, to what end you, you know or do you feel good about yourself I'm talking to trudeau like 
like it's not like they're not going to get COVID. They're still at risk of COVID. They're still at risk of spreading the the the, the virus if they get it. It's just it's, it's really unbelievable. Well, there is there is uh, someone else who is taking a very strong stand. Uh, against this, I'm talking about James Top, who is a retired or a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces, and he made the decision to march or to run or to walk, I believe he's walking, from Vancouver to Ottawa to take a stand against this divisiveness. You were the first journalist to cover it. You were there at his launch, which was at the Terry Fox Memorial uh, outside of BC Place in Vancouver there. Uh, why don't you give us a little update about Mr. Top, where he is, uh, how, how his progress is going, and again, what, what his purpose and what his, what his goal is in, in this march. James is, is still in Alberta right now. I believe he's going to make it into Saskatchewan by the 10th because he put out a notice looking for places to stay. Um, I mean, he's relying on volunteers to, uh, um, you know, uh, to lay his roots for him. People have been bringing him meals. Uh, they've been having events. Um, he's been doing a lot of speaking, and I'm sure you've seen that he's, uh, he's spoken even as he's walking. I think he was on uh, Viva Frey's podcast the other day. I think he spoke for two hours. Um, but it, it's, it's really cool to, to watch him do that, um, you know, trucks whipping by him on the highway. Uh, but uh, James, actually, that was this was a story that kind of fell in my lap because I did know James before this um, kind of uh, we have overlapping circles of uh, law enforcement, military guys out here. And I was I was introduced to him a few weeks before he even chose to do this. Um, and he is a, I think, 28 year veteran, uh, regular forces, but also um, reservist after that. Um, and he was a civilian employee with the RCMP both jobs hit by vaccine mandates. So he lost both jobs. Um, and so I, I did speak to him to a couple of weeks before he even decided to do this. Um, I mean, he knew I was kind of looking for guys to, to talk about this and he just wasn't into it. You know, he just kind of started beating on the punching bag and said, you know, maybe, maybe one day, but I, I just, I don't want to talk about it now. Um, and then I, I saw him a couple of weeks later and he was, he was a new man entirely. He had gone to the Surrey protests on February 12th um, and this was, you know, during the convoy, uh, he went in full uniform, he decided to make a stand. Um, and he just uh, looked for media, he wanted to, to tell his story. Um, and he decided that he wasn't going to to um, hide from fear, fear of being cancelled, fear of uh, losing his pension. He said, you know, if, if uh, Russell, uh, is it Russell Collins? Um, Russell Williams, sorry, the uh, murder and rapist um, who's in jail in, in Ontario can keep his pension. Why should he be worried about losing his um, over a vaccine mandate? Uh, so uh, he appeared in full uniform. Uh, he looked for media. <laughs> CBC, I believe, heard about him and called uh, National Defense to tattle on him. I think that was the most media he got that day. But I did hear about it. I spoke to him in his house. And uh, he was just inspired by the convoy, like so many people, um, thinking you're alone in all this, feeling um, demonized. Uh, he saw people coming together and it, 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 it renewed his faith in people. And uh, what's funny about James is that um, he's walking across Canada. Um, it was uh, the end of March. He made into Alberta a thousand kilometers in and everybody's thankful towards him. And the thing is, it's James gratitude towards them that is, that is, that is causing his march. He said, working people built this country. He's proud to have defended it. And uh, now he just wants to defend them. Um, you know, uh, of course, his job was taken from him, but uh, he's put a, a manifesto on his website representing all those who have been forced to undergo medical treatment, forced out of job because of medical treatment. 
and uh, you know he he'll march it with anybody who wants to stand by his side, and he's going to be in uh, Ottawa on uh, June 22nd, and he wants to sit down with any politician that has the brass to meet with him, you know, talk to a man that walked 4,200 kilometers just to have a talk. What an inspiring story, and I don't I don't have high hopes that our prime minister will pay any attention to it, but hopefully some other people will. Uh, hopefully more and more Canadians will learn about his story. I mean, just the fact that he went to a rally. I remember we covered that rally in Surrey, watching videos of it, uh, that that inspired him so much. Uh, you, you can only imagine how much more inspiration is coming from people learning about his journey, uh, supporting him along the way, as, as well as all the truckers. I mean, they inspired all of us to, to, to keep going. And I, I, th I think that the, the, more, the more people, the more Canadians who come together around this cause, uh, around eliminating these horrible draconian policies uh you know we, we can continue to have that critical math mass and 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 force governments to make changes to your point not just lifting these awful vaccine mandates but but eliminating them entirely and and ensuring that the, this kind of a system can can never come back that, that's what i'm hopeful for and i know that uh, james is doing his small part uh you're doing your part as well and, and we really appreciate that harley uh thanks for all your reporting and thank you for joining the show today Anytime, Candace. Thank you very much. Right. That is Harley Sims. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.